Amen. Wow. Did that hit you the way it hit me? Man. Um, Rick, don't go far, but I want to come back to that song in a minute. I've got a passage here. Um, good morning. Uh, I've got a passage here that I want us to talk about, and I don't think it's going to take very long to talk about it. And um, more than understanding it this morning, I'm struck that we need to practice it. And so... Um, Let's do this quickly. Um, open your Bibles with me to James chapter 5. And then I want to come back to that song, and then we'll celebrate communion and, and practice some of these things. This is off script, okay? This doesn't happen every Sunday, but um, I just feel led to, to sulk a little bit in that song. Uh. James chapter 5, we are in a series called Dwell Together. And what we've been trying to talk about in this series is um, something that's very radical. Now, it wouldn't have been radical to Jesus or it wouldn't have been radical to his first followers, but it's radical to me, and I think it's radical in 2018, and it's radical in Collin County, and it's radical at the pace that we move and uh, all the conflicting stuff in our life. And the idea of dwelling together is that um, church isn't just supposed to be something that we attend once a week for 75 minutes, but that when we've entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we, everything is new. The old has passed away and the new has come. And that doesn't just mean that I'm going to give Jesus 75 minutes of my attention on the first day of the week, but that he has called me into a brand new relationship, a brand new way of life and living. And that's not just with Jesus, and that's not just being filled with the Holy Spirit, but that's in a family, a new family, an adopted family called the church. And uh, I was thinking this week about just that word and a word that we also use around church a lot, fellowship. And I uh, was thinking about how so often words that we use uh, just kind of lose their punch with time, don't they? Just kind of lose their punch, lose uh, their original meaning or the fullness of that meaning. I think about the word awesome. Awesome. That's a, that's a word that probably ought to be reserved for one or two pretty awesome things. Not the way I use it about the tacos I had on Tuesday, but awesome. And I think about that when I think about fellowship, too, that we've, uh, it's lost its punch. Fellowship or community is, you know, having donuts or coffee before church or it's the 
gymnasium that was built on the second part of the church, the fellowship hall, and that's where we go through and, you know, have funeral dinners or something like that, or um, fellowship. And when you look at the scripture, that's not what God has in mind when he thinks about fellowship. It's not 75 minutes. It's not donuts and coffee, but it is a radical intimacy with God, fellowship with God, and fellowship with one another. So let me read you uh, some of the descriptions of what that looks like. I've read this in weeks past, uh, and as I've said, there's, a, there's about 60 one another passages in the New Testament where the scriptural writers are telling us, this is how you're supposed to live now. And so I'm going to list a few of them, and I think it will help you uh, bulk up and give the proper weight to that word fellowship or community or church, okay? Um, Be at peace with one another. That's what he's telling us as a family, as believers, as brothers and sisters. Be at peace with one another. Love one another. Outdo one another in in showing honor. Live in harmony with one another. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Care for one another. Through love, serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Bear one another in love. Be kind to one another. Address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Submit one to another. Do not lie to one another. Forgive each other. Abound in love for one another. Encourage one another. Build one another up. Exhort one another. Encourage one another. Serve one another. Show hospitality to one another. One another. One another. And we hear the word fellowship and just kind of... But this is the description of the church. This is the description that God has for our relationships together. And if that's not enough, uh, we crank it up a little bit in James chapter 5. So open with me to James chapter 5. Again, I don't think this needs much explanation, but it needs um, a lot of practice. So uh, beginning at verse 13, just follow along with me here, James chapter 5. Is anyone among you suffering? Anyone? Anyone? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Let's do that again. Is anyone among you sick? Yes and amen. Some translators say that you can translate that sickness. Is anyone among you weary? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. We'll go on. Verse 16. Check this one out. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. 
The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wonders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. There's something here for all of us today in this passage, I think. Is any among you suffering? Is any among you cheerful? Is any among you sick? Is any among you sinners? Okay, now we're all included. Then confess your sins one to another and pray for one another. Is any of you wandering, or does any of you have a brother or sister who's wandering from the faith? Then bring him back. I love the um, extent of the, the Christian life here, from cheer and joy to suffering and a need of prayer. That first call out there, is anyone among you suffering? It reminds me of one of my least favorite verses in the Bible. Flip back to James chapter 1. Don't like this verse. James 1, beginning of verse 2. You know where you know what this is? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. What? Really? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, that's me, maybe that's you. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But if you're suffering, pray. If you meet various kinds of trials, know that it's working something good, even though it just stinks. It's transforming you somehow. It's God's tool in a broken world to humble us, to make us more dependent upon Him, to show us that we don't have all we think we have. But count it all joy and then ask for wisdom. And if you're cheerful, then praise. And oftentimes it's when we're cheerful that we forget to praise. It's often when we're suffering that we do remember to pray or we just get cynical and bitter. But if you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, give praise. And then this wonderful thing that we don't take advantage of, beginning in verses 14 and 15. If any of you is sick, if any, is anyone among you, excuse me, is anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. This uh, 
this idea here of sickness is not just, hey, I stubbed my toe or, hey, I have a headache and, you know, need, really need the, the prayer of the church family. Uh, it's, it's an ongoing sickness. It's a, it's a deep hurt. Um, it's something that uh, is, is chronic or just deep, deep pain. And this is what we're supposed to do as elders and as leaders in the church, to, to pray for one another as we suffer or as we're in this prolonged season, we did this um, not too many weeks ago for our brother Michael Daly, who's not here this morning, but Michael's been having all sorts of heart issues, and he said, I want to I show the doctors, I want to prove the doctors wrong here. Would you guys please come and pray over him? So our elders and our men's Bible study on Friday morning, we, we, we prayed over him in obedience to this passage. Seven times... In this verse, we read pray, 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 pray. I think that's seven. But over and over, pray for one another. Call the elders and pray. And then confess your sins one to another. Now, who wants to form a line this morning and confess your, your sins to one another? You know, when we, as, as good old Protestants, we think confession, and that's something that Catholics do, right? Maybe once a week or maybe once a year, they go to confession. Do you realize that the New Testament here is telling us that you and I ought to confess our sins one to another? That's radical, again. That's, that's radical. That's not something that is probably the norm for you and me. And yet... Here in James chapter 5, it's not the ideal, it's the real. I entitled today's sermon, The Ideal or the Real, is when you read these passages, is, just, is this just kind of like the goal, is this just kind of like the mark, the ideal that, hey, if we're really doing good, you know, we're kind of extra, extra spiritual, then we'll confess our sins to one another. But the, reg, the regulars among us, the normals among us, you know, we can kind of leave this stuff out. It's a bit too, it, it requires a bit too much. The commitment level is a bit too high. But this is not the ideal, this is the standard. This is not the goal this is the norm. This is not something to shoot for. This is just something that is. At least it was among the first century church. Is it among you and I? Now, there's no way that we can do this in a large group like this. Um, except that we encourage you to get in a small group to get in a Bible study or to get in a community group where you can get to know people and you can get begin to develop relationships that are real and vulnerable so that you can confess your sins, confess your temptations, confess your suffering with one another. It's not just something to shoot for. It's supposed to be the baseline. And I know that there are many among us, even here this morning, some not with us this morning, that are suffering, that are sick, that need prayer. And so what I want to encourage us to do this morning is to pray and to confess our sins to one another. 
to take advantage of the prayer stations that will be at the back in just a minute. Um, as we sing that song again, I'm going to go back and pray because I need prayer this morning. And I want to encourage you to take a step of boldness and ask for prayer this morning. Go back and be prayed for or turn to someone that's sitting around you and say, would you pray with me? Or walk across the room and say, I, I need to confess something to you. This, this, this thing just has me in knots. This sin has me tied up. And I need to be freed of it. I need to be delivered from it. It's not that hard to understand these passages, but I think we tend to want to exempt ourselves from them because we think they're the ideal rather than just the norm or the standard. This is pretty radical stuff, isn't it? It's pretty uncomfortable. I can see it on some of your faces right now. He's really going to encourage us to do this. And if not this morning, maybe tonight at your community group. But to get raw with one another, and we can, why? Because Jesus has come and he has forgiven us our sins. Therefore, we have no fear in coming to him or confessing our sins because they're all covered. They're paid for. So we don't have to walk in guilt. We don't have to live in the dark we can bring those things to the light and know that they are covered by the blood of Jesus. And we know that the victory will come. Would you bow your head with me? Just wherever you are, take a minute and just talk to God. Just tell him what's on your heart right now. team this morning to go ahead and go toward the back and grab a candle and be ready to pray with people. And church family, I just want to encourage us to take, to take these next few minutes and do business with the Lord or do business with someone else if there's something that you need to confess and get off your chest. 
a suffering that you're going through. Help the body of Christ share your burdens. God, if we can't come to you, there's no one powerful enough to help us. God, we can come to you and bear all because you bore all for us. You know every fear, every bit of darkness in our hearts, every weakness, every temptation, every pain that we've experienced in our life, and you're strong enough for it. Jesus, you said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Holy Spirit, help us to come. Help us to come to you and find rest. In the name of Jesus, amen.